Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Vox Tablet. I'm Sarah Avery, your host. Today, a struggle over how to represent Anne Frank. Before adapting The Diary of Anne Frank for the stage, Albert Goodrich and Francis Hackett had worked on movies like It's a Wonderful Life, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and Father of the Bride. That may seem like an odd resume for playwrights about to adapt the diary of a Holocaust victim. But the producers of the play wanted to present Anne Frank in a way that fit the zeitgeist of the 1950s, eager, naive, optimistic about the goodness of people. When the play was revived for Broadway in 1997, the producers decided to bring back sections of the diary that had been omitted, including references to Anne's religion. Critics were pleased. They called this update long overdue. But there was another version of the play that had long been buried that didn't shy away from Anne Frank's Jewish identity. That more accurate version was written by Meyer Levin. He spent the rest of his life trying to get people to hear what he thought Anne Frank should sound like. Now, 60 years later, and posthumously, Meyer Levin will finally get his chance. Independent producer Eric Malinsky has this story. The fact that you and every person listening to my voice right now has heard of Anne Frank is partly due to a man named Meyer Levin. Levin's niece, Robin Pressman, runs a public radio station in Northern California. When she was 11 years old, her uncle told her that he introduced the diary of Anne Frank to American culture. He was even supposed to write the Broadway play, but the job was taken away from him. He had a copy of his play, which he gave to his niece. I was completely enthralled with the whole story and with uh, that play, and I read it for, I don't know, probably a year every day, acting out the parts, and it was a pretty important part of my childhood. When Pressman was a teenager, she learned that her uncle was haunted by his past and wounded by betrayal, and the man that betrayed him was Otto Frank, Anne's father. Jennifer Strom is a theater director who's been absorbed with Meyer Levin and his legacy for the last few years. She thinks his obsession with Anne Frank came from his own identity crisis. In my mind, he was seeking personal redemption, having to do with the shame he felt at being a Jew. Levin was born in 1905. He grew up in a poor neighborhood in Chicago, which was known as the Bloody 19th Ward. But he eventually became a globe-trotting journalist, a novelist, a filmmaker, and a political activist. In April of 1945, he and a photographer friend were traveling through the German countryside, looking for the photographer's mother, who had been taken by the Nazis. They came across an emaciated man who was stumbling through the woods. The man took them into what was Ordruff, the backside of Bergen-Belsen, where they opened up a uh, bunker that was there and saw dead bodies stacked to the ceiling, as he described, like so much cordwood, except for a few scrambling around on the top. Seeing a concentration camp, before even the Allies arrived, galvanized Levin. He helped survivors resettle in Europe, and arranged for safe passage to Palestine. He even made a documentary about them. A few years later, in 1951, he and his family were vacationing in Paris. When, on a walk one afternoon with his wife, she handed him from a bookstore the original copy of the first publication of The Diary of Anne Frank, published by Kalman Levy, a small Jewish publishing outfit in France. He read it that night. He wrote to Otto Frank the next morning. Otto Frank was already pursuing an English translation, but Levin offered to act as an emissary with New York publishing houses. 
In a long exchange of letters, Frank was won over by Levin's earnest commitment. Levin had been trying to figure out how to tell people back home what he had seen during the war, but he felt overwhelmed. He worried that he lacked the words. But this girl had such a poignant voice, anyone would feel a connection to her. Doubleday Books eventually acquired the diary. Sales were lackluster at first, until Levin wrote a glowing essay in the New York Times Sunday Book Review, and suddenly sales soared. But Robin Pressman says Levin had much bigger plans for the diary. He wanted to to have the right to bring it to the world as theater, because that was part of his world. And he got that permission from Otto Frank. Otto Frank had sent a cable to to Doubleday Books stating that Meyer Levin was to be the adapter of the diary. In a dry run for Broadway, Levin wrote a half-hour radio play that was broadcast on CBS in 1952. He thought everything was going smoothly. And that radio play was broadcast, and it happened overnight. Levin was out. Too much religion, too Jewish, and too Jewish, and too Jewish. It's true, there are a lot of references to God and the unique plight of the Jews in Anne Frank's diary. That's why Levin wanted to adapt it. Anne Frank freed him from feeling ashamed over being a Jew. In fact, there are even more religious references in the original diary, but Otto Frank had them removed before publication. In presenting her to the Gentile world, he wanted his daughter to transcend Jewishness. Now, assimilation was the prevailing wisdom for American Jews in the 1950s, and the show business professionals advising the project felt that Anne should be presented as an all-American girl next door and a universal martyr. I also more deeply understand how appalling that was to someone like Meyer, who had seen the, the bodies in the concentration camps who were killed because they were Jews, and to come back to America and bring this voice to the world and have it turned around as a universal problem when this was specifically, these people were killed because of who they were. Robin Pressman used to try and spot the differences between her uncle's version of the play and the one that made it to Broadway. The smoking gun, as far as I can tell, is the changing of that one very significant line. Jews have always been persecuted throughout history. We will survive this, and in our survival, we will be a light to the rest of the world. In her diary, Anne writes, Who knows? Maybe our religion will teach the world and all the people in it about goodness. And that's the reason, the only reason we have to suffer. And in the Hackett play, they changed it to... It's not only the Jews who've been persecuted. Sometimes it's one, pers- one people, sometimes it's another. Here's that scene from the 1959 film, adapted from the Broadway play. We're not the only people that have had to suffer. There have always been people that have had to. Sometimes one race, sometimes another. And yet... That doesn't make me feel any better. Meyer Levin's rendition of Anne Frank may have been too Jewish for 1950s America, but there were other reasons why he was being pushed aside. Lillian Hellman, the playwright, was advising the project, and she didn't think that Levin was a good enough writer. She wanted someone famous, someone who could bring a light touch to a very dark material. Also, Levin was being difficult. He didn't like a lot of the collaborators that he was being offered. Otto Frank was under a lot of pressure to dump him. The real cornerstone there was the editor Barbara Zimmerman at Doubleday Books who was the same age as Anne, who befriended Otto, 
She stood behind him. I think she was sincere in that. But she's the one who said to him, less Jewish, more sales. Otto Frank finally made a decision. His attorneys called Meyer Levin into their office. Now, unfortunately, Levin was new to show business. He came without his attorney. And they had already drafted a release of his rights. He immediately woke up the next day and said, ah, look what I did. And then he fought to get them back. No way. Levin slipped into an emotional black hole. Levin went mad. Levin felt that he was betrayed by Otto Frank and that Otto Frank was betraying Anne. And so Otto Frank cut him off. Levin spent the rest of his life obsessed with conspiracy theories and lawsuits, writing books about his betrayal, trying to get his play staged, even illegally. By the time he died in 1981, he was written off as a bitter crank. Jennifer Strom wants to restore Meyer Levin's Anne Frank. Now, there are no surviving tapes of the 1952 radio play, so she recorded a faithful recreation with music and sound effects based on his notes. This little 30-minute drama is powerful because of the reduction in time. Less messing around with love story and potato peeling and more straight to the point of what's going on for these families in hiding and what's happening outside. It'll be interesting to see how listeners respond. The qualities that Meyer Levin valued back then are qualities that we value today, like unvarnished truth and ethnic pride. As to whether he had the dramatic chops to bring the diary to life is something that audiences can finally judge for themselves. For Tablet Magazine, I'm Eric Malinsky. Eric Malinsky is an independent producer based in New York City. Jennifer Strom's recreation of Meyer Levin's radio play will stream from September 15th to the 18th, which also happens to be the 60th anniversary of the original broadcast on CBS. You can find a link to the stream on our website, tabletmag.com. Rosh Hashanah is in just a few days, so we want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to our podcast and to wish you a very sweet and happy new year. Chag Sameach, Shana Tova. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. Thank you so much for listening, and please join us again next time. Mm-hmm.